Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast, the I'm Still Standing edition. As the Bengals win for the second time in their last three games and pull within a game of first place in the AFC North after beating the Cardinals in Arizona 34-20. to Coming up, you'll hear radio replays, locker room comments from players and coaches, and post-game analysis from Dave Lapple. Then, in this week's Fun Facts conversation, I cover a wide variety of topics with Orlando Brown Jr., including why he was responsible for an incident that infuriated Ohio State fans. The Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you by Paycor, proud to be the Bengals' official HR software provider. By AltaFiber, future-proof fiber internet designed to elevate your home, business, and community to a new level. And by Kettering Health, the best care for the best fans. Kettering Health is the official health care provider of the Bengals. Now, here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. It's the greatest thing since the breakfast sandwich at Daylily Deli. It occurs to me that quite a few of my greatest things are food items. Hopefully, I've never steered you wrong, and my latest recommendation is the egg on a roll at the Daylily Deli in the Columbia Tusculum neighborhood of Cincinnati. That's what it's called on the menu, but I order it with eggs, American cheese, and getta, and it is tremendous. If you're not from Cincinnati, getta is a sausage patty with oats and spices similar to Scrapple in other parts of the country. In any case, the Daylily Deli breakfast sandwich is big, delicious, and not that expensive. And now that I've described it for you, I might just have to get one on Monday morning. Now, let's get to football and the radio replays from the Bengals' first ever regular season win in Arizona. Burrow is set, stomps the right foot, catches the snap from Karras, looking right, scrambling right, throws it back to the left, and it is caught in the back of the end zone. Jamar Chase doing the gritty for the first time in 2023, and the Bengals take a 6-0 lead. The Bengals will settle for a 40-yard field goal try for Evan McPherson. Robbins catches, places the ball down. Here comes the kick. It's on its way, and it is good. Three receivers right, two left. Dobbs back to throw. He's going to float it downfield. Over the shoulder catch. Made at the five-yard line, and it's a touchdown for Hollywood Brown. He got a step on Jalen Davis, and Dobbs made a perfect throw. Yeah, he did. Dobbs in the gun. He has the ball. He's back to throw. His pass caught right at the goal line for a touchdown. Guess who? Zach Ertz, who spikes it emphatically as the Cardinals take the lead. Burrow in the shotgun on fourth down and goal from the one. Mixon lines up to his right. Burrow hands it to Mixon. He goes low, waiting for the signal. No touchdown signal yet. They say he did not get in. Wow. Second down and 10. The Cardinals at their own one. Dobbs to throw his pass. Picked off. The Bengals have it. Cam Taylor into the end zone. And the Bengals get a touchdown after all. How about it? Amazing. Amazing. First and 10 Bengals from their own 37. Burrow will fake to Mixon. He's going to fling it deep downfield for Jamar Chase. He catches it at the 10 and takes it into the end zone. Touchdown, 
Bengals 63 yards. The magic is back as Burrow <laughs> throws it deep and Chase takes it into the end zone for the long touchdown. First and 10 at the Cincinnati 11. They give it to Mercado, running wide to the left, gets away from Pratt. Logan Wilson grabs him, lunges toward the pylon, touchdown, yep, Arizona. Fourth and one, the Cardinals going for it in the red zone. Dobbs catches a high snap, runs to the right, and Finish. gets hit by Pratt, Finish. and tackled nice. short of the first down. The Bengals defense stops the Cardinals on fourth and one. Jermaine Pratt bringing Dobbs to the ground, and the Bengals get the ball back. Burrow catches the shotgun snap, fakes to Mixon. Now scrambling up the middle of the field. He takes off and runs. 35 goes into a feet first slide with a first down. Hallelujah. Gives the first down signal. Drops the ball like dropping the mic after running to the 38 for a 10-yard game. The calf is no longer an issue. Second and goal from the three. Burrow in the gun. He catches at the eight. He fakes to Mixon. Now rolling to the right. Backpedaling to the 13. Throws. Oh. Caught. Jamar Chase on the back line of the end zone with his third touchdown catch as he sets a new Bengals record with his 14th catch of the game. Unbelievable. On first and 10, Dobbs with a play action fake. Oh. Here comes the rush. Hendrickson knocks out. the ball out. The Bengals dive after nice. it and appear to recover at the 28-yard line. A strip sack for Trey Hendrickson. Unbelievable. And now that's the fifth fumble by Dobbs, and he's lost three of them. Trey Henderson strips it. Sam Hubbard recovers it. The H boys. Five minutes, two seconds to go. Fourth down and two for the Cardinals. Dobbs back to throw from the pocket. Bouncing throws. No. Broken up and intercepted. It was it deflected up in the air. Jermaine Pratt comes down with the ball. Knock it down. It's fourth down. But those instincts are you go get the football. Joe Burrow called it a must-win game for the Cincinnati Bengals and the Bayou Bengals. Burrow and Chase combined to make sure that they got that win. Three touchdown catches. Burrow to Chase. And a franchise record 15 receptions for Jamar. The Bengals win it by the final score of 34 to 20. With the win, the Bengals are 2-3 and three, and just a game behind the Ravens and Steelers in the AFC North after Pittsburgh beat Baltimore on Sunday 17-10. The Browns had a bye and are a half game ahead of Cincinnati at 2-2. Two two. Now, let's take you inside the locker room beginning with Joe Burrow. The guy who looked as mobile as the Statue of Liberty last week in Tennessee looked, well, normal in Arizona. Burrow moved around in the pocket when needed and even had that 10-yard scramble that had Jamar Chase shaking his head. I looked around and turned at T and said, T, what the hell is he doing? I don't know if T heard me, but I definitely turned around and looked at T like, what the hell? So, I mean, if he feels good and feels like he can run, do it. I'm not going to tell him what to do. You know, I already don't listen to me. It was a hell of a performance, and Dave Lapham discussed it with Burrow after the game. 36 for 46, 317 yards, three touchdowns, an interception. And you said, look, I'm fine. My calf's good. And you proved it today. Yeah, I finally felt pretty close to back to normal. I was able to extend some plays. And if your quarterback can't do that, it's hard, hard to move the ball. So I was happy to be able to steal some first downs, extend some plays, get some big plays today. So when did you know, I mean, obviously you had a good feeling going into the football game, but at one, at what point in the football game did you know, you know what, 
I can do just about every anything. That 360 looked pretty pretty impressive. Yeah, first first touchdown, I was able to extend it a little bit, and it felt great. So I was I was good to go after that. So when you guys, you and Jamar, Jamar club record, 15 catches, 197 yards, three touchdowns. When you and Jamar are seeing things the way you're seeing things, can you guys be stopped? Well, we were able to execute really well today. I was excited about that. We also we still left some points out there, left some yards out there, so we got to get that corrected, but we're going to continue to get better. How valuable is it to have a guy like Jamar that can line up anywhere and do anything in your offense, and then other receivers doing the same thing? I remember back in the day, we had like one or two guys that could do that. Now, all your receivers do that. How big a deal is that for you? Yeah, we're as deep as we've ever been. We've, you know, T, didn't, T was out today, and Andre and Trent stepped up big for us. That's that's what you need out of those kind of guys. So it was exciting, exciting to see that. So you said early on in the week, it's a must win. And you played like it was a must win. I mean, you, back, you backed it up. I don't think there's anybody more competitive than you. How big is this win? Big win, but we're, we were want to know this week. We're going to celebrate tonight, come back tomorrow. Got to be want to know next week, too. And then you're in the bye, three and three at the bye. If you can get that W, that's huge, isn't it? Yeah, we're focused on winning this week, so we just got to have a great week of practice, continue to get better. Do you guys scoreboard watch? Did you know that the Pittsburgh Steelers had knocked off the Baltimore Ravens? No, I did not. So that's obviously a plus. We just got to keep doing what we're doing. Appreciate you, Joe. Yeah, thanks. With three offensive touchdowns, the Bengals equaled their total from the first four games of the season. And they also got their first defensive touchdown of the year on that critical 11-yard pick six by Cam Taylor Britt with 123 left in the first half. It gave the Bengals a lead. They never relinquished. And I caught up with a second-year pro out of Nebraska. Cam, congratulations. Your first NFL pick six. It could not have come at a bigger time. Describe that moment and that feeling. Man, honestly, it was just... You know, something that we always we worked on at practice. I got a pick in practice this weekend. It was somewhat of the same play, man. And, you know, everything comes around full circle, and it did. Uh, we were talking about it right before the play, and they ran the slant, and I just jumped around and, you know, got the ball and used my ball skill. It was such a big swing in momentum because the Bengals had just been stopped on fourth and goal inside the one. It looked like the Cardinals might be able to take the lead to halftime, and, and that was a momentum swing that really helped the Bengals win the game. Yeah, most definitely, man. But, you know, we love to stand up against those those times, man, especially as a defense, you know, holding the offense. Uh, when something goes wrong, we try to get the ball back in, you know, as fast as possible. You know, you, who wouldn't want the ball to Joe Burrow's in? <laughs> Two picks for the defense, a fourth down stop, multiple sacks for Trey Hendrickson. The defense made a lot of big plays today. Yes, sir, man. Uh, that's, a, that's, you know, Bengals defense football, that's that's what you guys love, man. That's what, you know, the fans love. That's us. Uh, you know, just playing before games and before, you know, you guys didn't see that. Uh, we, we love turnovers, man, and we, we feed off of it. You see the team feeds off of it. So, you know, when we're on our, our P's and Q's and our 10, man, everybody is. Joe described it earlier this week as a must-win situation. You guys are going home with a win. What's it mean in this locker room? It means a lot, man, honestly. And also, we got on, we don't have to take this long-ass trip back for the L. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's a blessing, man. <laughs> honestly, it's a blessing. But, you know, we had to get this dub. It was, it was needed. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's about it. 
I don't know if you're aware of it, but 15 catches for Jamar is a new franchise record. He nearly had 200 yards. How about the Burrow to Chase show? It looked vintage today. Man, most definitely, man. You can see that LSU's connection, first year guys back, you know, back together. Uh, you can see it, man, and he's very excited. So I looked it up. You had a pick six in Nebraska. Uh, it's now even, one in the NFL, oh, yeah. one in college. Oh, don't worry. I, we got to get a couple more in the NFL. <laughs> I was hoping you would say that. Oh, yeah. Congratulations on the win. Thank you so much. The Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you by Paycor, proud to be the Bengals' official HR software provider. By Alta Fiber, future-proof fiber internet, designed to elevate your home, business, and community to a new level. And by Kettering Health, the best care for the best fans. Kettering Health is the official health care provider of the Bengals. It was a record-setting day for Jamar Chase, who broke Carl Pickens' 25-year-old team record for most catches in a single game. Pickens had 13 against the Steelers in 1998. Jamar finished with 15 grabs for 192 yards against the Cardinals. Apparently, he wasn't lying when he said he is always bleeping open. Lap spent a couple of minutes with him after the game. Team record, 15 catches, 192 yards, three touchdowns. Talk about it. What, what was working for you today? Everything? Offense was feeling electric today. You know, Zach calling great plays. Uh, O-line giving Joe good enough time to throw the ball today. And Joe just reading the coverages and getting it to it with ease. So Joe looked like he was moving like Joe. I mean, he looked like he was in out of pocket, in pocket, climbing the pocket, doing everything. I mean, did you you know Joe better than anybody. Was Joe Joe? Yeah, he looked good today, man. He ran the ball twice on the second time he ran. I looked at him crazy, like, what the hell are you doing? You know, but if he's feeling good and, and he can take off like that, you know, I'm glad to see that. So what about a guy like Trent Irwin? Higgins can't go. He's got a little bit of a rib problem. Trent Norwin steps up, makes a bunch of plays for you as a receiver, punt returner. I mean, he's a pro's pro, isn't he? Yeah, uh, T.I.'s a great great guy for us, man. He works hard every day. He's always in his playbook. And, you know, he's one of those guys that we can move in anywhere on the field and move all the way around, you know. And that's the good thing about T.I. He's always hardworking, and we like that. You said you're always open. And that's no – that's all that is is truth. You're always open, man. Hey, man, I can't, it's only God, man. It's God gifts. God's gifts. What would you say to your dad when you gave him the football? Uh, no, he just asked me for the first touchdown ball, and, you know, I told him if I get it again, I'm going to bring it to me immediately the second time. So, you know, it was just me and my dad having a little fun time interacting at the game. So this is, uh, I think, maybe the third time you've had three touchdown catches in a game. Um, how, how big is that when you score three times in one football game? Um, I'm just, I, <laughs> defense is just not playing my way. You know, they, 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 let me say, they are playing my way, as I should say. Uh, they're giving me the looks that I want, you know, we see the looks, the, the corners are too far off, safety's not getting across the field, so, you know, we just take advantage of the opportunities. Finally, how many different places did you line up today? I mean, you're, you're, you're an intelligent football player, I mean, you can line up anywhere, do anything. How many different ways were you used today? Uh, I was pretty much all over the fair. Uh, number two, number three, backfield. One thing I didn't do today was catch a, a handoff out the backfield. So, I mean, this is going to come. <laughs> Congratulations, man. Unbelievable performance. You're a stud, brother. Thank you. Other studs included Jermaine Pratt with a team-high 10 tackles, an interception, and that key fourth down stop in the third quarter. Trey Hendrickson had two and a half sacks and a forced fumble, 
And how about Trenton Irwin? Eight catches for 60 yards, four punt returns for 68 more, and some great blocking on the perimeter on screen passes to Chase and Tyler Boyd. Burrow and Chase are going to get the headlines, but Zach Taylor stressed that it was a total team win. We got really good players, and they're going to get all the attention uh, because they're a great job, and they make the plays that come to them. But the guys around them also support them as well as any any group could, you know. And the times that they try to take away Jamar, those other guys are stepping up. And offensive line did a tremendous job working different protections, keeping the pressure off of him today. And so, really proud of of the offense. Really proud of this whole team coming out with a victory. Trenton Irwin, you speak of a guy. Um, he's 10, 10 targets, eight catches, sixty yards. The couple of punt or three punt returns that he had were outstanding, you know, dictating field position. He blocked on those receiver screens, you know, so effectively. He's a pro's pro, isn't he? Yeah, you can trust him to do any job. And he knows all the positions on offense. Uh, you trust him to plug him in there and make the plays that come to him. He does a great job with his technique. Um, he gets every ounce of, of potential he's got in that body, and, and uh, we're lucky to have him. So you get a quarterback, Dobbs, who, uh, who didn't, hadn't thrown an interception all season long and it doesn't work out on fourth down at the goal line, and you get a pick six, his first interception he throws all year, Cam Taylor-Britt takes it back to the house. How big was that? That was a big momentum swing right there. You know, they got to stop. We were hoping for good field position coming back. Cam's got great hands. It came in handy right there. So that was a big play that we needed right before the half. Did you know at any point during the course of the football game that uh, Pittsburgh had beaten Baltimore? Did you know what that, uh, what that outcome was? I, I didn't know that one. Um, that doesn't matter to us right now. You know, again, we just we're so early in the season. Just take care of what we can take care of, and just our history in this league tells us if you take care of what you take care of. At the end of the day, the things that you want will be right there in front of you. Jermaine Pratt had the interception. He had like 10, 10 total tackles, a couple of tackles for loss. I mean, he he was extraordinary today as well. Yeah, Jermaine stepped up in a big way. Such a smart player. Um, really proud of him, really proud of all those guys that stepped up on defense, put a lot of pressure on their quarterback, created the turnovers, had sacks, had some big third down and fourth down stops. And so, again, they, they played great, great defensive football today for us. So when you went on that first drive and, and uh, executed, you know, and got the third down touchdown on the first third down of the game, get a red zone touchdown out of it, did you think, hmm, this looks like things might be pretty good today. Yeah, I mean, that's how it was last week. You know, I think our first third down was the same situation. Yep. And so it was just good to, to continue to improve there. Nice job. And uh, that was a good start. Defense got a three and out. Offense went down and scored seven. And that's the start we were looking for today. So, Coach, on to Seattle. Seattle comes to Cincinnati. What's, uh, what's your first thought when Seattle comes to mind? I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> you haven't started them yet. In four years. Uh, Shane Waldron's one of my best friends in this profession, the offensive coordinator. Uh, but I, I don't know anything about their defense right now, so we'll find that out tonight and tomorrow. Well, I certainly, you certainly uh, did uh, study and, and get a lot of knowledge on uh, what kind of defensive presence the Arizona Cardinals had because you guys, you guys picked them apart pretty well. It was, uh, it was fun to watch, Coach. Congratulations on a big win. Appreciate it. Thank you. Seattle had a bye this week and will come to town next Sunday with a 3-1 and record. After dropping their opener at home to the Rams, the Seahawks have won three straight over the Lions, Panthers, and Giants. And in that New York game, the Seahawks set a team record with 11 sacks. Yikes. Now, time for the Radio Guys recap. Lap Joe Burrow called it a must-win in the middle of the week. When Joe has his heart set on something, he usually makes sure that it happens, and he looked like Joe Burrow again today. 
he did. I mean, he had the the look in the in the uh, hotel this morning. I saw him at the uh, pregame meal, and he had that like I'm not going to be denied look kind of you know that Joe has where he's like lasered in, and uh, there was no distracting him. He wasn't talking to anybody. He wasn't social. He was like boom, laser focused, and uh, he ended up going out there and stepping up and playing really good football. And that uh, that calf. You know, he said he he uh, pressed it a couple times early on, felt good, um, and he just kept making as many plays as he could. He wasn't about to be denied. It's funny you talked about that with the pregame meal because we were down for breakfast together early in the morning. Joe was down there earlier than usual. ESPN is running an endless loop of Burrow's bad plays this year, you know, graphics about how he struggled statistically. It's got to be strange when... You know, you're sitting in a room with your friends and teammates, and every TV screen in the room is showing how badly you've struggled. It is. I mean, I, I, I can't imagine what it's like to be, to live the life that Joe Burrow lives. Uh, as we got on the first buses to come over to the stadium, there's like two families of like eight kids that were all within three years of each other, I think, that all, all were toeheads, all had on Joe Burrow jerseys. Parents were there. I mean, he is like. I'm not saying that he's, you know, not not Kelsey and, and his girlfriend yet, Taylor Swift. But I mean, I don't I don't know how you live with that kind of fame. It's got to be a it's got to be a very challenging life for sure. Well, he was terrific in the game. 317 passing yards, three touchdowns, an interception when his wide receiver slipped, a passer rating of 108. If he can move like he moved today. The Bengals' offense is going to be fine. No question. I mean, I, I said, at what point in the game did you feel like, you know, after you did what you did physically, that, that you know, it was – I said, was it that 360? He goes, yeah, that was – I felt pretty good after that. And there were a few times, he said, when I climbed the pocket and had to sidestep a few people, and I didn't feel any effects from that. So, I mean, I think uh, he was uh, – <laughs> he was top shelf. I mean, that's, that's what they have. In this league, you have to have that. I mean, that's, that's the only way to survive in this league. As Jamar Chase put it last week, he's always bleeping open. Franchise record 15 catches for a single game. The record had lasted 25 years by Carl Pickens of 13 catches, just under 200 yards. It would have been his third 200-yard game and three touchdowns to tie a single-game record there. And I said... Uh, how many different places did you line up and how many different places were you utilized today? He started rattling off like about a litany list of, uh, of, of how he was used. He goes, the only thing, you know, I didn't get a handoff at the running back position. We got to work on that. <laughs> got to put that in the repertoire. But, I mean, the thing is that uh, he's, he's in a situation where it's not just, it's all the receivers, all of them. I mean, they can all line up multiple places and do multiple things and, and they're always ready to play. I mean, they're they're so well coached. And Trent Irwin, pros pro, stepped up today and showed you know what he's all about. He was he was ready to roll. So the play of the day late in the first half, after the Bengals get stopped on fourth and goal from the one, they turn right around and get a pick six from Cam Taylor Britt that gives them the halftime lead and completely swung the momentum in this game. No doubt. I mean, that, Zach. I was talking with Zach about that in the post game, and and he said that was you know a huge momentum. Uh, scenario there he said you know we were we were thinking we were going to get good field position you know stuff back there and he said when uh, when, when that happened that was uh, 
you know, you, you get a freebie like that, you get a non-offensive, uh, non-scripted score like that after being stopped on fourth down in the goal line situation, man, you, you go from the lowest of low to the highest of high, and it's an uh, it's, it's emotional recharge. We often talk about complimentary football. This game epitomized it. Good punt returns by Trenton Irwin. Money Mack makes all of his field goals. Defense comes up with a couple of takeaways and several sacks. And obviously Burrow and Chase are spectacular. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, it's the uh, scenario we were just talking about, the offense stumbles and gets no points in the low red zone. And then the defense comes right back and scores on, you know, literally the next play. I mean, that's, uh, that's complimentary football at its highest compliment, honestly. And uh, when stuff like that happens, you think, ah, this might be our day. We may be in a, in a situation where here if we can avoid mistakes. And I was talking to Zach about um, how the, neither team, offense or defense, was penalized well into the third quarter. I mean, three penalties called all of them on special teams. And it was the only turnover at that point was the, was the pick six. It was a very well-played, you know, football game with a lot of football intelligence. He said that's what they're about. He said that's the identity they want to have, so hopefully they build on it. It wasn't perfect. They're still struggling to pick up some picks and, uh, twists and stunts on the offensive line, and uh, I still don't think they run, run it as well as they would like to. But when you can go on the road and win by 14, it doesn't happen that often in the NFL. It doesn't. And this, this opponent, you know, the, the record sometimes doesn't really indicate, you know, the brand of football they were playing. I think they've already played some pretty darn good football teams and been in the game with them, beat their wins against the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, that's, that's a quality football team. And like we always say, um, the National Football League is definitely 17 one-week seasons. There's no two ways about it. I and mean, you have to you, you, you take a win, compartmentalize, move on. You accept the defeat, compartmentalize, move on, and see what happens. So the next one-week season is a home game against Seattle. If they can win it, get to 500 going into the bye. And you talk about how much better the team would feel about itself, the city would feel about the team. I mean, the entire mood changes if they can win one more game. Absolutely. And I was stunned how many guys didn't know that Pittsburgh beat Baltimore. Mm. And when I said it to Trent Irving, he goes, this is the first I'm hearing of it. Wow. And there were there were multiple guys in that situation. And Zach was like, I didn't, I didn't really even check into it before mm. the game started. It has no impact on what I have to do in this football game. So, I mean, they are definitely focused on their task. There's no question about that. They're right back in the thick of it now, Dan. I mean, shoot, if they can get it done against Seattle going to the bye three and three, um, they're going to be no worse than the game out. Isn't it nice when you're the bearer of good news? <laughs> it really is. It really is. Because they, they were like, really? <laughs> the looks on the faces were priceless. Yeah. Should be easy to get radio show guests this week. We like that, too. That's it. That's a fact. <laughs> I'm telling you. Victory Monday. Who? Victory Monday is, is so much more fun down there at Paycor when you have three hours of radio to fill. <laughs> We don't know our player guests yet, but on Wednesday night from 6 to 8, we'll be at Game On Sports Bar in White Oak for the Bengals Game Plan Show. Then on Friday afternoon from 3 to 6, we'll be at the Wings and Rings location in Greendale, Indiana for the Bengals Pep Rally Show. Now, time for this week's Fun fact segment, where you get to know the person under the pads. Time for some fun facts with Orlando Brown Jr., the son of a great NFL offensive lineman that everybody called Zeus, as in the king of the gods. Orlando, one of the best TV feature stories I have ever seen was the NFL film story, 
about you and your dad. In it, Bill Belichick talked about his love for your father, and there was great footage of your dad just destroying people in the NFL. His playing career ended when you were nine. What, if anything, do you remember about it? Uh, I remember a lot, man. Uh, You know, I would say around seven years old is when I kind of, uh, maybe even a little bit before that, maybe like right around six years old, I like I feel like that's when I really start being able to see the game, understand it, really pay attention to him, the intricacies of situations, short yardage, two minute, the flow of a game, uh starting to understand concepts a little bit, you know, run specifically to the run game. Uh and I mean it was so much to learn from him, just as you said, man, he played so long. He also played with the great Jonathan Ogden. Uh, so, man, it was just it was so much knowledge and so much uh, just great fundamentals for me to see at such a young age. I, times that, man, honestly, I still, you know, look back at those moments, man, and reminisce, you know, thinking about, you know, how great they were, but also how hard they worked. Uh, you know, man, they were they were my dad was someone that really, really loved the game. And, you know, he was a defensive tackle in college. And in his last year uh, of college, they moved him to offensive tackle. And he was in a speed option, wing T system. So he didn't really have a lot of familiarity with the pro style offense. And, uh, man, so he really, really, really worked hard to get those fundamentals down. And, you know, I was able to basically be at the forefront and see all of it firsthand. There was a terrible accident in his playing career where an official threw his flag. Yep. And it hit your dad in the eye. And for people that don't know, there are weights inside a flag so that they don't just flutter away. Yeah. It cost him three years of his career. He yeah. was temporarily blind in one of his eyes. How did that affect him and your entire family? Yeah, I mean, it definitely had a huge effect on us, man. Uh, you know, my parents surely divorced after the incident. Uh, you know, we pretty much he was you know doing a lot of rehab having to go through the lawsuit in new york city trying to work out and get back in the nfl bouncing back and forth between baltimore and miami he was working at i think it was img academy at the time and uh you know man he was trying to make sure he stayed in playing shape while also going through this lawsuit man with the nfl uh it took it took somewhat of a big toll on my family you know but uh ultimately man you know he was able to come back and finish career how he wanted to when you were young he didn't want you to play football. Yeah. Why not? Well, you know, he has such a rough path. You know, he was born in Washington, D.C., man, born and raised in Washington, D.C. in the 70s and 80s. And, you know, we all know, man, that was, a, you know, a very hard time for a lot of, you know, young black men during that time in that city. And, you know, he didn't – he felt like he had f- very few opportunities. And so – you know, it was a lot for him to understand. My my grandmother was a janitor uh, pretty much most of her life. My grandfather drove taxis. Uh, so, you know, it was he had a lot of unfamiliarity with the path that he took. And so his path was so hard and so difficult, man. I, I feel like for a long time, you know, he kind of held on to that and really didn't want me or my, my siblings to kind of go through that type of mental pain or mental endurance or wh- whatever it was, man. But, uh, you know, for for everything that he did, keeping me out of ball as long as he did, I mean, I think it was the best thing that ever happened to me. We're visiting with Orlando Brown Jr. I have a son, and watching him succeed in sports is one of the great joys of parenthood. But when he struggles, that can be very hard as a parent. And when your dad first watched you play, it was hard for him when you didn't dominate, correct? Yeah, it was very hard for him, man. There was numerous times, uh, especially in my first few games, man, he le- he's leaving me. You know, he's <laughs> dropping me off of the game, and I'm expecting to ride home with him, and, and he's gone. And, 
you know, ultimately, man, he just he wanted wanted to see me play physical. He wanted to see me play hard. You know, I was I was obviously new to the sport, so I didn't really comprehend that all in all. But you know, he wanted me to see he wanted to see me finish blocks. And so, man, once I started finishing blocks, man, playing with that emotion, that passion, uh, you know, he was very very happy and proud to, proud to be there and support me. Once you started playing, you were all in. Yeah. I heard you say in an interview that you used to go to bookstores. Mm-hmm. And just spend weekends looking at NFL strategy books, looking at NFL rules. I mean, you were trying to learn the game, unlike most of your young peers, I'm guessing. Because he wouldn't let me play, uh, fortunately, he let me watch it and read it. So, you know, that was, you could say, my vice at a young age. I would go to Barnes & Nobles with my brothers and my uncle, man, and Saturdays, Fridays after school, we'd, we'd be there watching or, you know, sometimes watching NFL Network. Other times, man, I'd be reading books on, you know, some of the great players to play the game, like Walter Payton, Barry Sanders, their stories, Jerry Rice's story. Uh, you know, even dating back to some of the older guys, man, like a Fran Tarkenton, uh, you know, his story, man. Uh, guys like, uh, God, so many, so many, like, so many great players in this league. But I, I, I had to spend a lot of time studying and understanding the game and studying the offensive line position, studying everything it, ta- everything it takes mentally, physically to be a pro. And at an early age, man, I mean, I think that was something that had a really and still does have a really big impact on who I am today as a pro. So when it came time to go to college, you picked Oklahoma. You had gone to high school in the Washington area, then in Georgia, close to Atlanta. What were your initial thoughts on Norman, Oklahoma? You know, I've, I've got a tricky story on that. You know, I was originally on my way to Tennessee, University of Tennessee. Uh, I, uh, I had committed there when I was a junior in high school. And at the time, man, they didn't check my uh, test scores and my grades, my transcript. And so... Man, at the time of heading into that last semester of my senior year, man, I had a 1.7 GPA. I had a 13 on the ACT, and uh, I Christmas treed the test, and uh, I uh, I lost my scholarship to University of Tennessee. And so, basically, what happened was, you know, we I go up there for my official visit. Bush Jones lets me know, hey, you know, we're not gonna be able to give you a scholarship. Long story short, they had 33 commits. They only had 31 scholarships. I was one of the guys that got pulled, which is understandable based off the circumstances. And I got back to Georgia, talked to my high school coach. He asked me where I wanted to go. Uh, I had never visited Oklahoma. The coaches had never visited me. And uh, I just I looked in his eyes. I said, Coach, man, I, I think University of Oklahoma is where God wants me to be. And sure enough, man, we got on the phone with Coach Stoops. We called starting at the his assistant at the office, uh, Miss Julie, and uh, from there we got on the phone with, with Coach Stoops and Coach Heupel, Coach Beatenbo, and they offered me a scholarship sent to NLI. I signed it and took my official visit in April after I signed, and uh, I was a late enrollee. I enrolled July 24th, 2014 on campus. It certainly worked out well. <laughs> the Sooners finished in the top five all three seasons that you played for them. You helped Baker Mayfield win the Heisman Trophy your final season. It appears that you and Baker were really tight. It's an interesting story. It's, fun. it's kind of a funny story because uh, so we, uh, we came in together. My class uh, coming in Oklahoma was me, Baker Mayfield, Mark Andrews, Samaje P. Ryan, Devontae Bond, um, some other names as well, some other names of guys that I still got a great relationship with. But uh, we all kind of came in together and spent a lot of time on scout team red shirt in that year. And so we would whoop up on a defense, man. And uh, I got to know Baker for, you know, just because of his, his work ethic. You know, I was a guy that would work really hard. I'd get in there at 530 in the morning and, 
be working on my sets with our strength coach, and he'd already be fully in strength and sweat throwing footballs and trash cans at 5 a.m. Mm-hmm. So, uh, man, we just kind of grew a natural bond from there. And then, obviously, it's college, so drank a few beers with him here and there. We got closer, <laughs> and then our moms met each other, and our moms got close. It's, it's crazy, man. So, you know, that's my guy. <laughs> Football fans a little bit north of here are still a little bit salty from Baker planting the flag in the middle of the field after a victory at Ohio State. Were you partly responsible for that because of a pregame speech? Yeah, I definitely take full responsibility, man. (laughs) It's the first time I might have openly come out about this, but I I had no idea that this is something Ohio State does win or loss. And so Lincoln Riley at the time, our head coach, uh, he asked me and Baker to speak to the team. And during separate times, so I developed a whole PowerPoint and the start of my PowerPoint was the Ohio State team singing on our field in 2016. And so, you know, I, I just – I remember showing that clip, you know, showing our bad plays, looking up in the, in the crowd, teammates, coaches, everyone's faces red, angry, frowned up. And, uh, you know, I just mentioned, you know, look, man, when we win in the horseshoe this year, we're going to set it on fire. <laughs> <laughs> and so <laughs> – and so, I, you know, it's something we do every time we play University of Texas, man. We plant the flag in the middle of the field. That's our thing. Uh, it's funny because uh, the horseshoe is turf, so the flag doesn't stick there. But uh, I'll take a little bit of responsibility for that. <laughs> We're chatting with Orlando Brown Jr. Sprinting and lifting weights are not your forte. So the NFL scouting combine did not go particularly well. And instead of being a first-round draft pick, you wound up being a third-round draft pick. How did that affect you? You know, man, still to this day, it gives me a really big chip on my shoulder. Uh, you know, I, I ended up in an amazing situation, though, man. I got drafted to my hometown team, uh, the franchise that I grew up in the building, uh, literally on a daily, man, my entire life, it seemed like. And it was so many familiar faces. I'm, I didn't have to learn a new city. I didn't have to learn shortcuts to work with the snow or traffic, uh, all of those little things. And, you know, I wasn't wasn't new to the city. So, you know, a lot of things that other rookies had to go through, I didn't necessarily have to deal with that. Um, but, uh, man, I mean, I, I ended up in a tremendous situation, man, with a great organization. Uh, and, uh, you know, man, I, don't, I definitely don't regret, you know, where I got drafted. But... Ultimately, man, I, I do wish I was a first-round pick, but everything happens for a reason. You know, I think I ended up at the right spot in the right time. In your second year in the NFL, you made the Pro Bowl. Yep. You've made it every year since. Some guys don't like to talk about personal goals, but you don't shy away from that. Yep. What are some of the things that you are still determined to accomplish? Yeah, Man, first and foremost, man, I, I want to bring a Super Bowl to the city. Uh, that's, that's the first thing on my mind and my heart that, you know, is really important to me. Uh, secondly, man, obviously being the best player in the world at my position, uh, you know, an all-pro left tackle, first-team all-pro left tackle, and, you know, continuing to make those Pro Bowls. And, you know, man, I, ultimately, I, you know, I want to be – you know, a great, great leader in the community here in Cincinnati as well. Time for some wild card topics now with Orlando Brown Jr. You carry a lucky foxtail yep. everywhere you go. Why on God's green earth <laughs> do you carry a lucky foxtail? Yeah, well, man, it was just something I kind of started in college, uh, my my redshirt freshman year, and I feel like good things been happening to me since, man. So I remember I, I bought the first one and. I kind of won the job in my freshman year. I was like, I'm going to go buy a few more. So I bought a few more, and I don't know, man. It's just become part of my swag and who I am. I don't know. It's just it's just part of me now. <laughs> How many do you have? Uh, I got like 12 of them. Okay. Yep. To each his own. Yep. 
<laughs> as, <laughs> as you put it, you're trying to help Cincinnati win a Super Bowl, yeah. but you were part of a Super Bowl team last year with Kansas City. Yeah. What are some of your fondest memories of the week yeah. and then the game itself? Of the week, man, we uh, as an O-line, uh, I remember the guys mentioned that Burt uh, Kreischer was uh, coming to town and, uh, you know, the machine, he's hilarious. And so, you know, I'm like, man, I wonder if this guy will give us backstage passes. So I DM him. And uh, like a man fan, and uh, he got us backstage passes. And so, man, I remember we uh, we went and watched his show at the Arizona State Basketball Stadium, and uh, he let us backstage. Man, we chopped it up with him a little bit. That was so cool. And then during the game, uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's one of the most exciting games of your life. You know, playing in the Super Bowl because it's something you dream of. And fortunately for me, I didn't lose my first one. Uh, but um, man, it was such a such a crazy experience. I just I remember. Jarek McKinnon sliding uh, in that in that situation when not much time left and coming back in the huddle looking at me like I could have scored in the Super Bowl. <laughs> it was uh, that was that's something that always kind of stick with me. You signed a lucrative free agent deal in the off season. Yep. What do you like to splurge on? Yep. Um, gosh, man, it really depends. Uh, you know, I do. I did grow up with my dad playing in the NFL, so you could call me bougie. I am somewhat <laughs> bougie. Um, Man, splurging. I'm not going to say I'm a big splurger, but I do like nice clothes. What is something about Orlando Brown Jr. that very few people know? Um, you know, obviously you do with me on the regular, but, you know, a lot of people don't know uh, how personal I am, you know, how personable I am. And, uh, you know, man, I, I really enjoy, you know, being able to interact with people, get to know people. Uh, there's always something to take from someone, no matter uh you know, how they classify themselves, where they're classified socially, whatever it may be. Uh, I always enjoy, man, getting to talk to people, hearing people's stories, uh, understanding the way that people think. Final fun fact for Orlando Brown Jr., and this one's kind of deep. If you could meet anybody in history, Mm -hmm. athlete, actor, statesman, religious figure, whoever that person might be, who would it be? I would would have loved to have an opportunity to talk to uh, Kobe Bryant, uh, you know, just understanding his uh, approach, his mental toughness, uh, his ability to focus on the now. Uh, You know, he was someone that was very present in the moment when he played his sport. And, you know, it's very rare that, you know, you get guys like that. You know, I think in football, you know, Tom Brady is a guy like that. Uh, Muhammad Ali was a guy that was like that in his sport that was very, you know, in the moment. And I would love to be able to talk to those guys, ask questions about, uh, you know, little things like that, small things like that about their mental in that moment. It's great to have you in Cincinnati. Your dad would be very proud. Appreciate your time. Appreciate you. Thank you. That's going to do it for this episode of the Bengals Booth Podcast, brought to you by Paycor, proud to be the Bengals' official HR software provider. By Alta Fiber, future-proof fiber internet, designed to elevate your home, business, and community to a new level. And by Kettering Health, the best care for the best fans. Kettering Health is the official health care provider of the Bengals. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to this podcast. And if you have a minute, give it a rating or share a comment. That helps more Bengals fans find us. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast.